Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. Uh, and, you know, right into it, I'm Austin Hill. With me always, Austin Waiters. Oh. Um, so, we, talk, uh, we talked last week, rounded out our last solely dedicated college football episode, probably for the season, unless sad. we have Very some sad. crazy stuff happen. But it was a great season, a season to remember, and that's really capped off by the College Football Playoff National Championship, which was one to watch. Um, you know, I think it was a great game all the way through, um, of course, until Georgia's defense took over. Really, what are some of your thoughts from the game? Uh, really, you know, I thought the first half was very interesting because it seemed like Bama had the game under control. If yeah. they could finish in the red zone, I think that game was over by halftime. Absolutely. If they could finish in the red zone. But they didn't. Georgia's defense played like Georgia's defense this time instead of like they did in the SEC title game. And I mean, Setson Bennett looked absolutely terrified. Like yeah. he, like that was his first career start in a football game ever. Yeah. But second half, I'll tell you what, they came out and ran the ball early, and they got and they got some big plays down the field. They were smart, and the credit the defense stayed tough all the way through. And you know, I got I got to give credit to Georgia. You know, I pick them to win in the preseason for me. You know, I'll, that's yeah. one of the few things I got right. Um, but after they lost to Bama in the SEC title game, I didn't give them a shot. So you you gave them a shot, but, uh, you know, congrats to them. Now people can actually say that Kirby Smart knows how to beat Saban. Yeah, um, and, you know, as cliche as it is, we hear it all the time. Uh, I've said it several times this season, um, and I've been right about it every time, but it's so hard to beat a team twice in yeah. the same season. Uh, you know, we talked Oklahoma State Baylor. Oklahoma State beat Baylor in the regular season, but in the Big Ten cha- or Big Twelve championship, just a different ball game. And you know, we saw the same thing here in the national championship. And that that's just really what it comes down to. It is so hard to play the same football you've been successful with all year, and then meet a team a second time, and they know everything you're doing, and just to prepare for that. The first and, half proved that with the yeah. score being nine six at halftime. Um, you know, Kirby Smart. Props to him. You know, he had talked all this this last week about how they were working hard to contain Bryce Young and shut him down and get to him and make him uncomfortable. And they certainly did that in the red zone all game. But, you know, at the end of the game, they panicked him on that last drive that Keely Ringo got the pick six to seal the game. They were at him every time and forced him to just make bad throws down the field, which resulted in that pick six. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that's the thing I said on our podcast last week. I said the only way Georgia wins this game, they have to create pressure on Bryce Young. If they don't, he's just going to destroy their secondary. They got pressure on him with that, even setting the tone early with that, what uh, could have, what turned out to be not a fumble. Should that was have a scoop been. And score. Should have been a fumble, especially with the other fumble. With the other fumble game. in the third quarter being called one. So, but that set the tone early, even with it taking the touchdown off the board. I let them know that. He wasn't going to be as comfortable this time. Yeah, and, you know, really, when you think about it, I uh, had a good friend, Jaden Lazuski helped me out with this little tidbit of information. But, uh, you know, mirror image games. SEC Championship, Stetson Bennett throws two interceptions. One of those interceptions is a pick six to seal the game. Big for Alabama in the SEC Championship. The exact reverse we see in our national championship. Bryce Young throws two picks a second pick to lose it big and both winning quarterbacks had a fumble that could have cost their team big time um, in the third quarter of those games. So, wow. I didn't even think about that. The whole, the two yeah. interception thing. That's so that's ironic right uh, there. Yeah. Crazy bit of a mirror image. Um, and it just shows, you know, how the tables were quite literally turned in this matchup. Um, 
But that's enough college football. We got a crazy week 18 that really capped off one of the best weekends of football, probably the best weekend of football we've had overall, professional and college. Just the national championship on Monday, but we flash it back to Sunday now. Yeah. Um, where we saw some crazy games, and it all got set up by one little underdog. Duval. Uh, Duval. Um, the Jags came to play, and to your credit, you picked the Jags to win this game. And I will say, to my credit, I had no faith in them. <laughs> but I knew it was the only way the Steelers were getting into playoffs. And credit to them, they came out. They not only beat the Colts. They whooped them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, 23 to 6 or something going in. I, I don't know the exact score. but it I know was, they didn't score a touchdown until like late in the fourth quarter yeah. or something. Um, they, they really kept it on them. And, you know, I was like, when I saw that score going in the fourth quarter, got the ESPN notification, I'm thinking, you know, am I dreaming? <laughs> uh, this is crazy. And, you know, I got excited because I'm like, this leads to what's going to be a crazy finish yeah. on Sunday night football. Um. But before we get into that, uh, this, you know, sets up a great chance for the Steelers, who were in the middle of a crazy (laughs) overtime battle with the Ravens. And I got to know, as a Steelers fan, how are you feeling through that one? Let me clarify, you know, I I had, I used a great streaming site to stream the Jags-Colts game because... Of course, a completely legal streaming site. A completely legal streaming site uh, for that one. And I had, uh, locally, I had Steelers-Ravens, so... I was keeping an eye on both of them, and I remember I was kind of paying attention to Jaguars Colts because Steelers Ravens was really close to it. I check it at halftime, and I see Jags are up by double dish. I'm like, knowing the Steelers, they're gonna the Jags are gonna win, and we're gonna end up losing this ball game. Yeah. And then sure, but then sure enough, I got to give credit to like I said, the man that I judged, Big Ben. He came up, he came up clutch when it mattered. Big made some big time deep throws on that aching shoulder i can only imagine yeah and uh let me clarify though if ty if we're if we're facing lamar jackson instead of tyler huntley i really don't know if we win that game but yeah. the circumstances were in our favor and i gotta tell you that fourth and eight in overtime terrified me because <laughs> it, i knew it was the game because i knew most likely they would drive right down the field getting field goal range Finish and it. and make it but once we got uh, the first down, which I didn't think we were going to get fourth and eight, you know, yeah. we, we can't pick up fourth and ones. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't think anything about it. And Ben threw a low ball to a man that didn't, doesn't get a lot of talk about him besides on punt returns. Mr. Ray, Ray McLeod got one of the best yeah. names in football. <laughs> so yeah, it was sending me up, you know, I was like, there's no way the Raiders chargers game would end in a tie. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and so that leads us to the three o'clock three twenty five slate where we see the Niners and the Rams in what was uh, truly a a big game. It could have been bigger had the Cardinals been able to pull out a win against the Seahawks, but still a lot on the line. Uh, I believe it was the difference between two-seed and four-seed for the Rams. Uh, I believe If they had won, and Niners just hoping to get one more week um, if they win. Um, And Saints... Beat the Falcons and they watch with bated breath as this game goes to overtime. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it really just came down to ultimately Jimmy Garoppolo stepped up big and, you know, he really showed that he's still got a lot left in the tank. Whether it's for San Francisco or not next year, he's definitely got a lot left to give to the game of football. Yeah. And also him, you know, Debo Samuel, I think, didn't he throw a touchdown pass? Uh, he may have. <laughs> he ran for, he's the best running back. He's the best receiver. And 
throughout that first half and like that before, right when that touchdown pass happened, he was the best quarterback yeah. in the game for the 49ers. But like you said, Jimmy G stepped up play. Also, another wide receiver stepped up, Juwan Jennings, former Absolutely. Tennessee wide receiver. He came up with some big catches for him late. And then credit the the defense in overtime. They got the stop. And when I thought after they got the field goal, I was like, Rams are just going to go down the field. You know, this game's, yeah. this game's over. But, you know, credit their defense. They made the big play, and now they they fight on to Dallas. Yeah, you, you live to fight another day. And, uh, you know, Saints got to be thinking, man, we were this close. And it really came down to that regular season matchup between the two yep. uh, that decided this one. Um, but now we get to the talk of Sunday. <laughs> We've got two and a half hours between the finish of the Rams-Niners game and the beginning of what surely everyone knows is going to be one of the wildest things you've ever seen on Sunday Night Football to close out a season. And Steelers fans watching with bated breath, they've got a slim hope on the line because both teams could just have a gentleman's match and uh, not play hard and both go to the playoffs. That's really what I was worried. Once the first snap happened, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. so we're going to actually play the game. I don't know how it's going to go, but. Yeah, it was a game, and boy, did the Raiders have it up big yeah, in they, that game. They had up big so much so that Mike Tomlin went to bed. Yeah, He fell asleep. He thought the game was under control, and I really should have done what Mike Tomlin did yeah. when it was that score. But, you know, you gotta, you can't count out. Like I said, whenever I picked the Chargers to win, you can't count them out when they got Justin Herbert. No, absolutely not. He came back with a vengeance. The touchdown pass he threw at the end of regulation to tie the game. Oh, my goodness, what a throw that was. Yeah, and also just that whole drive in general. I think they what they convert like three or four fourth downs yeah. on that whole drive. Um, the best team in the league at converting fourth downs um, and the team that goes for it the most. Yeah, even uh, at times when it makes no sense. And so I thought very Brandon Staley-esque, they would go for two. I was begging them to go for um, two. <laughs> but he, I, I think ultimately you make the right decision as a coach. You tie, you both get to go to the playoffs. Don't foil it on a two-point conversion, even though Steelers fans hoping somebody comes I out was a, begging a them to go for I was begging them to go for two. I was like, if this game goes to overtime, I, I don't need to go to overtime because that makes me freak out. But, you know, he – he unfortunately kicked the extra point. I was hoping maybe for a meme where he misses the extra point or yeah. something, but and went the overtime, and I anxiously waited for the end. Yeah, and those of you may know, this guy went on Instagram live for that last <laughs> drive, but before that, two drives before that, they were run galore, and you could almost tell both teams wanted to take as much time off the clock as possible in hopes to get to at least a tie. Yeah, once the Raiders, I saw they got they got they got the fourth down. They kicked field goal. I was like, the Chargers are going to go get a field goal. They're not getting a touchdown. Yeah. And then you know they converted. I think that one throw by Herbert on that one fourth down, they get him like a fifty yard play to Mike Williams. That might have been the best throw of the night. Yeah, it, all time, really, just yeah. a just a great throw. And by then Justin once Herbert. they got the field goal, I was like, oh my. Oh no! This is actually reality. I, I told this man across from me. I was yeah. like, "If they tie here, I might go live just to like just so everyone can see the panic happen yeah. live." But um, it ended up working out. They they ran, they ran, and they get to the they're what second and eight, and they run it, get to a third and six, 
and it looks like the clock is just going to keep running. We got about 36 seconds on the clock, and I, personally, I didn't agree with this decision in the time anyway, even if you needed to win this game, um, because to me, you don't stop the clock for your opponent when they've got exactly. the ball. Um, exactly. <laughs> Because if you needed a win on the line, I mean, you'd rather the time just run out on your opponent than give them more time. And so yeah. he calls the timeout, Brandon Staley does, and that flips a switch in the Chargers. And they've all but said, we were just going to run the clock yep. out. Um, we, we, we didn't have anything to prove. They weren't in field goal range coming into that third and six. Yeah. Um, and so really it, it, it was just, we're going to run this out. We go to the playoffs no matter exactly. what. Exactly. Austin Eckler's even on the field after the game. You can read his lips. Yeah. He said, we're y'all going to kneel it down. The Raider guy goes, yeah. And he's like, yeah. why we call a timeout? But, you know, Brandon Staley wanted to get his run defense on the field. And, man, did that work out getting your run defense on the field on that play. Yeah. Josh totally. Jacobs took it personally, ran for well more than six yards, put him into field goal range, and set Daniel Carlson up for a beauty right down the middle. I'm sure Steelers fans where Daniel Carlson's <laughs> biggest fan made huge donations in his yeah. honor. Listen, if I had money, which I really don't have a lot of, uh, I would have donated to it, but I don't have a lot of money. But I, I was fully expecting it because I saw a tweet afterwards. I was fully expecting him to just like be the ultimate meme and just kick it out of bounds yeah. or something, or he was just going to miss it at the end. Because, I mean, for the Raiders, it's win-win. I mean, yeah. if he makes it, you're in the playoffs. If he misses, you're in the playoffs. So. Yeah. I mean, if he went in, cool. If it didn't, who cares? We're in still. So Yeah, the pressure was entirely on the Chargers at, at that moment. And again, that's why I don't understand uh, the timeout. Yeah. Your fate is in the Raiders' hands, and if they're letting the clock run, you just let the clock run until uh, they say otherwise. Also, the Chargers have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. What makes you putting your run defense out there is going to stop them? It, it didn't. <laughs> um, so, you know, clearly just uh, confusion and maybe one Brandon Staley learns from and definitely another great season under the belt of young Justin Herbert. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you hope he isn't cursed. Yeah. Like like, like Philip yeah, like Philip Rivers. You hope he doesn't end up having a career like Philip where he's just either barely making the playoffs or they have a really great year and they don't win a playoff game. So I I'm hoping they get better. I think Brandon Staley's got him going in the right direction. Uh hopefully he gets smarter on his fourth doubts next year. Yeah. Um I think that ultimately his big thing is going to be you're aggressive and you've showed that it can work, but Time to be a little more selective and make the smart decision as opposed to the bold decision. If he would have made some uh, safer choices against the Chiefs in that Thursday night game, they'd be in the playoffs already yeah. before that game. Um, so, yeah, ultimately it really came down to just everybody's young and everybody's trying to figure out their place in the NFL as far as they go. But I called it. <laughs> they called me a madman. I will say, I, I thought you were kind of crazy at the start of the year, too. I'm uh, not going to lie. <laughs> through all the turmoil, through all the talk, Derek Carr collects his team and takes him to the playoffs, and he will be able to start his first career playoff game. Yeah, uh, and Rich Versace just seriously needs to be considered. If the Even if the Raiders especially go into Cincinnati and win this weekend, he, you got to consider him for the permanent head coaching job. You Absolutely. have to. Um, I think Derek Carr's done enough to keep his job in Las Vegas. I think they're building something out there. And 
as you said, you know, you keep winning games. Why change something now? This team has found something they like, um, and it's stuck. So I think that we could see uh, big time things from the Raiders, especially next week. Especially, hey, remember, uh, remember in the offseason, Devontae said he wouldn't mind teaming up yeah. with his former college quarterback. Uh, so. And like I said earlier this year, whatever happens to Derek Carr. If you want Devontae Adams, that's the quarterback <laughs> you need to have on your team because it doesn't look like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. While they like each other, money-wise, that's not a pair, a, compare, uh, you know, a pairing that's really going to work out. Yeah, they either got to pay one or the other. Yeah, and so this is an optimal time for Las Vegas or anybody looking to boost up their uh, wide receiver core. Get Derek Carr, and you will probably get Devontae Adams. Um, but – that crazy Sunday night led into a even more crazy and confusing Monday morning. Black Monday, um, the worst for day. For a lot of football fans. Um, you know, we got the one we saw coming. Nagy pace out in Chicago. I wanna I wanna ask you before we go into this, I wanna ask, you know, your opinion of the Bears, you know, what their future is. I got I got a or like and then what you want out of the coaching search. I mean, I think I know yeah. who your number one target is, who you want, but you know, I just um, want to hear. Yeah, uh, ultimately, you know, I really think – I think the team is in the right place. Uh, I think that guys like Darnell Moody, uh, David Montgomery, uh, Justin Fields have really shown themselves uh, that, you know, 6-10 and 10 was almost a playoff team this year. We were in it till you know, the last few weeks. Um, so, you know, things, a couple things have gone a little bit differently. You know, we were talking about maybe a, a borderline playoff team. Um, and so, and that's coming with a rookie quarterback, um, next year we'll have Khalil back. And so, you know, that's the, that's my big thing. We've got a defense prime to win, you know, go out, get one more corner, one more solid corner out there to help Jalen Johnson because Kendall Vildor, he's just not doing it. Nah. Um, but one more solid corner and this team is ready to go, ready to win on defense um so I, I you know i think that honestly next year we could be a playoff team uh with the right under the right guidance and so you know hopes from coaching uh you know i want some kind of offensive guru that would be ideal for justin fields but i, I think the dolphins made a big mistake and ultimately um you know that's a coach that is realistically an option brian flores uh you know the great defensive genius comes from the Belichick uh, tree of coaches, which is net, which is usually never good. <laughs> yeah, um, and Flores, you know, he had. I, I think he had ultimately was successful in Miami. Um, you know, two winning seasons is you know <laughs> good for that franchise. What they've done recently, and uh, you know, I just think they made a, a premature judgment call, and I, I, I truly hope. You know, that this doesn't mean the same thing for Tua, that he's getting the axe as well. Um, but Brian Fuller is definitely a guy that I could see coaching this team into success uh, in the future. Um, but Flores, Nagy lose their jobs. Flores is a bit more of a shocker. Yeah, I mean, it really was. You know, I mean, the team is first year. I mean, number one, this first year they were expected to be bad. So, yeah, I mean. Just moved on from Ryan Tannehill. They had traded pretty much everyone. 
or cut everyone at the start of the yeah. season. You know, no one expected them to be good. And then they ended the season very well, even going five and eleven. I think they won like three of their final four games. Um, yeah, and that involved the uh, Miami Miracle, if I'm correct. I uh, think so. Either that or that was the year before. I don't. I don't know. Not but, entirely sure. But uh, either way, you know, he's done a great job last year, taking them to ten and six. Ten and six normally gets you into the playoffs. Yeah, but it just it was a really high powered AFC last year and then this year start one and seven and then finish nine and eight. Yeah. That's quite remarkable. But in the end, you know, this is just my personal opinion from the stuff I heard. I think he wasn't a yes man to the owner and that's why he got fired. You know, he wanted some things to go his way and the owner's like, no, I want it this way. Specifically, I don't know if it's true or not, but to me, I feel like Steven Ross might prefer Deshaun Watson over yeah. Tua. And he's like, he's like, you want Tua? I want Deshaun? Nope. You, you get out of here. This is my team. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like I said, you know, I think that Tua really proved himself this year. And I think it would be unfortunate if, uh, you know, he were to be cut ties with in Miami. But can't say that doesn't make sense. Uh, obviously, Brian Flores did what he wanted to do to make Tua successful, and I think optimized that. Like like we talked about last week, Tua was one of the most statistically, uh, you know, top five statistically um, uh, during this win streak for them. So I, I really think that it's a hats off to him, and, you know, whoever gets him probably sounds like Houston if uh, they, you know, things go Miami's all way. I'm, all I'm saying is this, I wouldn't mind him in Pittsburgh. That's Absolutely. all. That's all I'm saying. I would not mind him in Pittsburgh at all. Absolutely, I, I think Tua has has proven uh, his value. Um, but another one that wasn't a shocker to a lot of people, Mike Zimmer, yeah. out. I think we Minnesota. actually both of us said it last week. Yes, we uh, we both said Zimmer uh, to be out. Um, and you know, like I said, not a lot of people surprised. Um, you know, not a terrible tenure in Minnesota, three playoff appearances, but. Just didn't do enough. Just didn't do enough. Um, you know, I and you know the way it went this year, it, it felt like he didn't care. Yeah. Um, ultimately, felt like he didn't care. Like he knew he was. Done. He's like, no matter what I do, if we don't make the playoffs, I mean, I'm not gonna have a job. Yeah. Uh, he he was too defensive oriented and it just wanted to run the ball every play. And, and you know, Dalvin Cook's one of the top backs in this league. But you have Justin Jefferson, you have Adam Thielen. Yeah. Um, you know, you got guys, you had Stephon Diggs, you made him unhappy, you know. And and Kirk Cousins, he gets a lot of crap. And I I think Kirk Cousins is overrated. But don't we he's, all he's a, you know, he's a better tier of quarterback than some teams have. He can throw the ball. True. Uh let the guy do it. But at the very least, look how much you're paying him. You don't, 84 million. I mean, you could pay a veteran the minimum to hand the ball off every play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just on really underutilized his team. And the GM firing, though, I I kind of question that one a little bit. I mean, he's brought in a lot of good talent recently. Yeah. Jefferson, uh, Cook. Yeah. yeah. Uh several good linemen, too. Absolutely. So I mean, I mean, I understand. I mean, I guess they just wanted to clean house, but that was what I mean, I didn't. That was when I was kind of like, I don't know. I understand firing Zimmer. I don't know about that one. Yeah, uh, I get the guy that's not utilizing the foundation, but the guy who set the foundation, I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, and then one that came as a shocker to me, not because the particular coach in question, but because 
a week ago, he we were all assured that he was going to have his job yeah. uh, next season. Uh, and that came straight from the top. But I guess that came from Gettleman, and he's gone. Um, so, Judge, Joe Judge, he's out in New York. Um, and, you know, what can you say about the Giants in the last couple of years? I don't know. I mean... You can't. You, I can't think of anything good about. Them. I mean, they ruined Saquon. People are saying Saquon's not good now. No, Saquon was ruined because the Giants don't have an offensive line. They really didn't bother to do it until I think Andrew Thomas was their first alignment picked yeah. in the first round. Listen, I get there are other positions you need. I get you really like Daniel Jones at number six for some reason, but at some point you got to build an O line because that's arguably the most important position in. Uh, for an offense. Yeah, uh, I mean, how is Daniel Jones ever going to be good if he doesn't have an offensive line? Um, but, you know, just a lot going on in New York, and now this raises the question. Daniel Jones was assured last week he would have his job along with Joe Judge. It was the same, in the same question. They were both, uh, there was a reassurance there. But like I said, Gettleman's gone, and it's no surprise that a day after Gettleman leaves that, they're things, like, they're like, okay, we're gonna do it yeah, our way. Actually, things uh, directly uh, go opposite, and you know, Gettleman's not the GM. He's not the guy that will be calling the shots as far as Daniel Jones' job next year, and you know that makes me think uh, they might be going in a different direction. And if you're Daniel Jones, boy, it's been a rough one. Um, yeah, I mean, it be, it would have been different if he didn't get picked at number six. It would have been different if the Giants would have picked him later in the first round or in the second round or Absolutely. third round like he was predicted Absolutely. to go. So, you know, his where he got drafted was that. And also, I mean, you're playing in for the New York Giants, yeah. one of the most uh, followed NFL teams. So. Yeah, I mean, every move you make is going to be highly scrutinized. Second quarterback off the board in that draft class, if I'm correct. I believe so. Kyler Murray went one. And, and then him and then Haskins at eight. I believe is yeah. how it went down. I think so. I, I think he was the second one. I know uh, Nick Bosa went second to the Niners in that draft, and then I don't think there was another one till Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, but it, it all shaking out there in New York. Um, looks like they're getting ready for a fresh start. Um, especially the Kenny Galladay signing didn't really work out either. They really need to. I mean, like I get that they're like already kind of bad. But I think they need to blow it all up, honestly. Yeah, uh, it, it's time to uh, close like, it out. Even if that means get rid of Saquon. So, yeah. As much as as bad as I think it is, I mean, it'd be, it's just time. I think he, he would be better off somewhere else. Absolutely. Um, but with all this said, we've currently got, uh, you know, six head coaching openings that I can think of right now. The four we have right here, the Raiders, and, uh, boy, I'm blanking on it. Right now, the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, so, out of those six openings, what do you think's the best job? If you were a coach and you're getting offers from all these six teams, what's the one that you're leaning towards right now? I would now? probably say, you know, Bears or Jags, and that's solely because of the futures you have at QB. You got two rookie QBs. That Trevor Lawrence at points looked good, but you got to wonder, was that Meyer staff and all that? So, I think one of them, you know, even though both teams had their rough points this year, I would, I would say more the Bears, maybe because they have an act, they have a really good defense, and all they need is the offense to just pick it up a little bit more, and they could be a playoff team. So I'd probably say Chicago. 
Absolutely. I, I'm along the same lines. I, I could definitely see a team like Chicago or Jacksonville being at the top of your list. Um, but uh, teams that I would also be leaning towards, the Raiders and the Dolphins. A couple good seasons in a row, but it really would come down to what are you know the higher-ups? What is their yeah. plan for the future? Are they looking to restart? Are they looking to capitalize on recent success? Um, because you know if the Raiders offer me the job, and they want to, they want to go back and they want to run it back with this team and try and build it up and get better. Absolutely, I'm going to hop on that. Derek yeah. Carr really showed his value this year. Josh Jacobs, all the weapons. Yeah. Darren Waller. I mean, yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously with the right idea, with the right uh, future, those might be the top spots. But yeah, I could definitely see a Chicago or a Jacksonville really being the ideal spots for a lot of coaches and. Hopefully that draws in a Flores or a big name for me uh, into the Windy City. (laughs) Um, But with that, that's going to do it for our NFL and college football playoff recap episode. Um, Make sure to tune in tomorrow. We will be coming out with a uh, NFL playoff preview episode. Uh, I'm Austin Hill. That's Austin Waiter, and thank you for listening.